You're listening to The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. In every episode, we will discuss the topics and trends, the issues and ideas, the challenges and opportunities facing senior business leaders today. This series is one more way we want to engage with our network of industry executives. Thanks for joining us. Hello again, everyone. You're joining us for another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research. My guest today is Tim Cottle of Jetix. We're going to be having a conversation about uh, FP&A, EPM, uh, sort of the future of where finance software is going. I'm really excited for this conversation. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for introducing me. And, and as, as Jeff said, I'm Tim Cottle. I'm working solution advisory at Jetox and help people pick the right software, pick the right solutions for their FP&A practices and businesses. Um, started out in finance many, many years ago. I won't tell you how many. It's, uh, it makes me feel old. But um, ran some finance teams for international paper and then Thompson back before it was Thompson Reuters. And through that, got into finance technology. And so I've been in that field for going on two decades now, uh, both in professional services, doing hundreds of implementations, and now in solution advisory, helping people right-size software for their organizations. Terrific. And I think it's really sort of an exciting time for EPM software solutions. I think there's a, sort of a, a runway of the next five years. A lot of things are going to change. Yeah. I wonder if you can tell us what's uh, sort of on your roadmap. Yeah. So, you know, software is responding uh, pretty well to the demands and changes that are happening in the office of the CFO. So as the CFO is being asked to wrangle more data, um, we're helping them with solutions to equip them to do that. But then also as, as the Office of Finance reaches out more operationally, connecting those data streams from operation all the way up through the financial statements and understanding impacts downstream on the balance sheet and cash flow uh, to help scenario plan and make decisions. And so the, the, the industry is, is moving in the direction that the Office of the CFO is, which is good. Um, as far as what's coming down the road, I think those things are going to continue. It's going to be more collaboration, more partnering. Um, we're going to try to reallocate resources from manual tasks to value-added tasks in that partnering um, uh, venue. And I think it's not only going to make the, the um, organizations more efficient, it's going to make people happier because people don't like doing repetitive, boring tasks, at least most people don't. And so, you know, using what they learned in school, using their business acumen, helping to actually put feet on, you know, their financial knowledge and combine it with business knowledge, that's what's happening in the collaboration aspects of software and the tools that are out there to help facilitate that uh, are becoming very valuable and needed. Um, and we're going to continue to develop that in the world of AI and bringing more things into that. And so that's what I see from a technology scan standpoint is um, is really being reactive to, to the, the realities of what's being asked of the finance work. Now, you touched on AI just briefly, mm -hmm. and I think just about every event executive platforms organizes, <laughs> every conversation I get to have, yeah. it's been a very buzzy term in the sure. last year. Yeah. Generative AI, particularly, what is that going to do for for finance leaders? Do you yeah, think? so you know, it, in this space, we've been using AI, machine learning for a while. Um, early, like predictive analytics, statistics, uh, more advanced kind of driver based AI to connect your data to the real world as things change, which is pretty great. This the new the new generation of AI, large language models, generative AI. What it's going to provide is a lot of finance automation. So you know, as finance folks are doing variance analysis, for example, manually. 
uh, digging into details, uh, some of this AI can look at those numbers and create a pretty good executive summary in an instant and and turn that into more of, of focusing on what bubbles up, not trying to find out what's going to bubble up, and really automating some of the things that, that folks do. And then also self-service. So when we're thinking about consumers of finance information, the customers of the office of the CFO that need that information to help make business decisions, the software is evolving to a place where they're going to be able to talk to it and ask it things. Right, give me a report for the West region and show me the top three products and just have that pop up on your screen just by talking to a system. And so that's going to be a real big change. Um, it's going to really empower everybody to get involved in the numbers and everybody to really see in, in quicker ways how they're performing and how that um, connects to the corporations or the, or the organization's results. I wonder if we can expand a little on the FP&A side of all this. Um, when I think of finance executives, obviously this is one of their crucial skill sets and yeah. this technology is going to empower them to do a lot more. And you yourself have a background in this space. So, like, what is what is coming next? Yeah, I think one of the big things is, you know, we used to do a budget or a forecast a couple times a year. And it was a big effort. And we've deployed, you know, when I say we in general, uh, you know, software has been deployed to streamline that and make it faster. And so we've gone, to, you know, from quarterly planning to rolling forecasts. Some of the AI is able to run all the time. And if it's connected to outside data, third-party data like GDP growth and, and um, a population growth forecasts, uh, raw material price indexes, um, being able to immediately model those changes with AI in an automated way, creating a living and breathing forecast that's always changing. And think of it instead of, you know, stopping and planning your route, just, just kind of having turn-by-turn directions as you go to help you make decisions faster. Um, there's no reason to wait till the end of the month to understand the impacts of something on your business. And, and the software, both with AI uh, and just the automation, are facilitating that. And so I think it's going to be uh, this idea of continuous planning, which is a thing we've talked about a while, typically in like a monthly rolling forecast. Now it's a continuous automated plan, maybe that gives you alerts on your phone whenever something interesting happens. And so we're taking this kind of slow measured approach and, and turning it into more of a, a stream of data that we're going to have to get more and more adept at surfing as we kind of like uh, go through the day. I mean, I think that sounds fascinating. I can see that being a situation where you know where your company's pain points are or you know where your company is always looking to, hey, if the price drops below here, that's where we want to stock up. And you could literally tell the system, let me know when that happens. You don't need to monitor it. It'll tell you. Right. That's exactly right. Amazing. Yeah. Um, So in terms of Jedux as a leader in the space, because I appreciate your organization has been working to build these tools and advance these tools, what are some of the things that you want people to know about what's coming next? Yeah, I think at Jedux, we are embracing these topics, embracing this technology. We're building natural language processing capabilities into the product. So as I mentioned earlier, being able to ask the system for a report or being able to ask the system a question and get an answer. That's what's coming in, in a very short amount of time. I think one of the other things that we've really been working to do uh, over a long time is getting more and more people involved into the financial process. So having a solution with workflows that can reach out to somebody in a def- different state or different country on their iPad and collaborate about a question or a KPI or a variance in real time and really bringing the whole ecosystem of the company together um, and breaking down those barriers. It's not any more finance and operations in this. It's, it's, it's really facilitating a lot of teamwork and, and streamlining those communications. And I think the combination of, of some of the AI that's coming out as the, as the reporting and things and self-service becomes even more easy, I think that spread of finance technology and financial information to the rest of the organization is going to accelerate and become very valuable and needed and just expected. 
So when I hear of a, a tool sort of breaking down silos and engaging people who have not been part of the process yeah. before, my first thought is, boy, I sure hope the, the user experience is good because yeah. there's a lot of people who are not going to want to do, you know, the finances job for them. Mm -hmm. Can we talk to that? Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of different ways to handle that. How we do it is through user profiles. So we only give people the buttons and functionality they need to do their job. So literally the hardest part is figuring out how to get them the link to log in and, and a password. And we try to make it as intuitive as possible. And I think that's key. If you have um, the best software in the world and you need to have a computer technology degree to use it, it's going to collect dust. We want hundreds of people participating in this so we get the best ideas because the best ideas come from all over the organizations. It needs to uh, reach them where they are. And what I mean by that is browser-based or, or mobile-based interfaces but also for some users who love Excel, Excel-based interfaces. And so it's important to identify where people are comfortable and meet them where they are. And so whether it's a nice, pretty dashboard and somebody who doesn't know much about finance but's great at their job, uses it every day on their iPad, all the way to a finance power user who's doing you know, rocket science in Excel and, and kind of streamlining that and making it a little more safe and, and less prone to error. And so I think the important thing there as this propagates through an organization and, and as you just create user delight, it needs to be simple. It needs to be tailored to what you do and who you are. And you need a system that's flexible enough to facilitate that so you have people happy to use it. Um, and then the rest just takes care of itself. I, I actually love that explanation. I guess it feeds into the next part. What does getting started look like? Do you find companies sort of do this end-to-end? -end? Do they pick one department and roll it out there and then it grows gradually? Like, I appreciate every story is going to be a little different, but yeah. what is your recommendation? Yeah, I think... Um, there's two ways to go about it. One is if you have a point solution, you have a pain point, and you can find a software to fix that, and then maybe use that as your toe into the pool, if you will, to, to kind of grow from there uh, in a crawl, walk, run approach. And that's a valid way to go, especially if you're not having a large overarching digital strategy coming from on top. You can uh, kind of be the hero of your department and get a software to alleviate some problems and then start bringing friends into the fold and, and expanding, expanding, expanding. So it can go from either end. Ideally, you have a vision and, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll sometimes start with an office or a VP of digital transformation or, or a fancy title. Sometimes it's just a person who's, you know, forward thinking or a CFO who wants to get better and, and, and go farther down the road. Um, even if you start with that point solution in a department, I think an overarching plan, an overarching roadmap is key. And one thing I want to kind of mention there is a lot of people haven't done this before. Um, finance is sometimes a bit of a laggard in purchasing uh, software, even though they sign all the checks for everybody else buying software. Um, and so it might be a person's first time purchasing software, uh, or maybe they did it 10 years ago and they don't remember. So I think it's also key to not feel like you're on your own. When you're making that plan for transformation, when you're figuring out best practices and what to do, there are folks out there to help. So a great partner, uh, humbly you know, suggest us is what we do every day, but there are lots of great people out there helping CFOs and CFO organizations get that plan, figure out a roadmap and implement it with them. And I think um, it's smart to find that partner, find the partner that fits you, find the partner that you connect with and understand your business and, and leverage that as well. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned partnership because that's where I wanted to go next. Yeah. Um, I think there are people who go out and buy software and they think it's going to be turnkey. It either works or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's how generative AI is going to roll out. I think you do need a partner who understands the space. What does the working relationship look like with an organization like Jetix? If I'm a financial executive and yeah. you know I can see that, hey, what I'm currently doing is not going to keep up with the times, you know, your your 
range of solutions looks like where I want to go. Mm-hmm. How do I get started? What is the sort of day-to-day like? Is there a timeline? Yeah. And again, I appreciate everyone's a little different, but mm-hmm. you know, give us something typical. Yeah, I think like typically it just starts with some conversations. People will reach out. Sometimes we'll reach out to them and just talk about the things we've been talking about. What, what are your pain points? Where do you want to go? What are your struggles? And put that plan into place. You're right. It's not a one-size-fits-all type of software because people plan very differently. Um, everybody's got their own spreadsheet, their own little way to do things, and they don't necessarily need to or want to change. So they do need to get a software that can facilitate what they're doing now. But the partner you choose as we're forming up what this engagement looks like um, sometimes can break away, break you away from that. Still, we, you know, we have uh, going on 3,000 customers, or over 2,500 customers, right? So we've done this a couple times. And so we can come in and help say, well, that's an okay to, way to do that in your old technology, but with the new technology, have you thought about this? And so I think the planning phase, which can be as short as a couple days and as long as you know a month, to, to set up goals, to, to get the, um, uh, the implementation team together, to understand the needs and wants of the client, um, that, that's part of it. Usually an engagement some, somewhere between a month to, to six months, and it can go even longer depending on how much you want to do. Um, it's important to phase it up. Um, but for us, an engagement can be as quick as five weeks where we come in and, and solve some problems really fast. And like I said, some just keep evolving and going and we keep collaborating for years and years. And it really just depends on the scope and scale of what you want to do. I wonder if we could illustrate this with a, a concrete example. I mean, a lot of things get very rosy colored when we're speaking in broad hypotheticals. But as you say, you've, you've done this a few times. What does it look like in real terms? Uh, thanks for that. Um, I think there's lots of good examples. We we play in almost every industry, but one that kind of I think is close to what we're talking about, high levels of automation, AI, getting more people involved, working less on manual tasks, is a customer of ours called Apex Hotels. So it's a hotel chain, and if you've ever worked in the hospitality industry, it's some complex planning. They need to figure out how to maximize how many rooms they rent and how to maximize how much they get to charge. And day of the week matters. So year to year, the fifth isn't the fifth when it comes to occupancy because it may be on a weekend or maybe on a weekday. Um, and the same is true of events and things like that. So when Apex came to us, uh, they were cranking through these forecasts on a weekly basis, spending lots and lots of hours in Excel, manually creating their pricing structures and their expectations for room, rooms rented and things like that. And so they came to Jetox and we were able to deploy our AI uh, software and automated that whole process. We save them over 10 hours a week in labor, boring, menial, repetitive labor, uh, if, I, if I'm so bold, uh, but then also increase their accuracy and, and by, by quite a bit. So they're able to predict the right amount to charge, predict the right uh, or understand how many rooms they think are going to be rented automatically with great accuracy, and then pull back from just manually creating those spreadsheets and reallocate um, those person's talents and time into more value-added activities, more strategic activities and things like that. And so it's a really great customer use case. They're using some advanced technology to take something that was kind of um, difficult and tedious and make it automated and, and actually better. Absolutely. That's a great illustration. I know we've covered a lot of ground a little bit quickly in this conversation. If there were two or three things that you wanted listeners to think about a little further, what would you want to highlight? Yeah, I think um, learn. Always always embrace change, embrace learning. We're in a fast-moving technology environment, not just in finance in general. And I think the, the people in the organizations that can embrace and leverage that quicker will certainly put themselves in a great position to achieve more. 
Um, and so learning, talking to folks like us, um, going to conferences, things like that, understanding what other CFOs are doing is key. Because um, I talk to CFO orgs all the time, you know, talk to hundreds of people a year, and there are lots of recurring themes. Um, so be curious and find out what they are. Um, they hover right now around people and the talent and, and how you bring them in to your organization and have the right people in the right place. We've talked a lot about technology today, which is selfishly what I do is probably why. Uh, but bringing in a little bit different skill sets to facilitate that than maybe you have before or training someone that you have up in a role that you hadn't thought of before that's maybe a little bit of IT or maybe a little bit of storytelling. I think that's a really huge trend in finance. And when it comes to technology, integration. Um, you know, we have data sources coming from everywhere. And so you need to be able to bring them all together in a cohesive one source of the truth way so that when you are analyzing numbers, when you're telling stories about the numbers, that they're the right numbers and that they reach out into all the right softwares and operational things so that you can get a really full picture of your business. Um, it's a somewhat older term, but the, the idea of a digital twin of your organization that you can kind of tweak and make changes and do scenario planning, that's becoming a very valuable resource, especially with all the volatility that we've had over the few years with the pandemic and then inflation. Um, there's a great need to be a lot more deep with the data that you interact with, but then a lot more accurate and nimble with how you bring it all together and, and, and communicate with the rest of the org. So learn, get a plan, uh, understand the technology, and, and buckle up because it's happening pretty fast. Fantastic. So I think most people who have gotten this far into the interview probably do have maybe some specific questions relevant to their organization. If they wanted to learn more, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, uh, our website's an easy way. It's just jetox.com. And you can also hit me on LinkedIn. I'm Tim Cottle and uh, happy to have a conversation and help you out in any way we can. Um, we love having these conversations with folks, and um, and it's pretty exciting to see what, what can what can come of it. Absolutely. Well, I always appreciate when people say reach out to me on LinkedIn because I get to talk to Tim. <laughs> and uh, if you've been listening to this, you probably have recognized he's, he's really an expert in the space. Do reach out. Uh, in the meantime, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been absolutely fascinating, Tim. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> you've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.